Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode number eight, season two of Behind the Wheels. I am DJ Artistic. I am a DJ based in Los Angeles, California. I would like to introduce you all to my co-host, EB. EB, what's the word? What's up, everybody? I am EB, the musicologist. I am a writer, blogger, and a content creator based on the planet of Brooklyn. Brooklyn in the building. Okay, so this is Behind the Wheels. We talk about everything black music past present and future so uh let's go ahead and get into it so to catch up um a lot's been happening the last just the last week and a half i would say so the the, the craziest thing i just saw is this kanye video that looked like he was held hostage by uh, jay prince and he's basically apologizing to drake and they're talking about the ultimate goal is to free larry <coughs> hoover so who, my question to you is um who ghost wrote that for him um, it, you know, it looked like an Al Qaeda video. Um, like he was in the caves with Bin Laden somewhere, and um, he they made him do it. They didn't want him to have a, a George Bush hates black people moment. So it was yeah. it was. Um, and I don't know if Kanye just can't read or the font was small on the phone because it just sounded real choppy. But yeah, it was a little scary to watch. But nothing should surprise us coming from Kanye at this point. Yeah, I feel like. It felt very forced. It felt like he was made to do it, but even if he wasn't, I mean, uh, I watched half of the Drink Champs. I didn't get to the second half yet. I don't know if you saw it, but it's I saw he... a little bit. I didn't see the whole thing. Yeah, so I, I would say, at least up to what I watched, it wasn't as bad as what I heard. People said it was, but I heard it got worse. But even with what I saw, he was giving Drake a lot of compliments. It felt like they had that kind of like friendly rivalry type thing. So it's mm-hmm. weird. I don't think it's really bad blood at that level but at the same time who knows because Kanye is Kanye so in the interview he might be more composed and then behind the scenes it's like all right what is he talking about so yeah and I, the clips that I was seeing it seemed like Kanye was as great as we know Kanye is musically or has been musically it felt like he was taking credit for things that he should not have been taking credit for or yeah. uh, for doing things that he probably should not have but it's uh, who knows what goes on in Kanye's mind besides Kanye and the other three people that live there. Like we don't know, we have no idea. Three of them, and according to him, uh, wherever these four people live is not in a house because he doesn't believe in having a house anymore. <laughs> he he's just like the richest like um. nomad ever. So yeah, that's that's Kanye for you. So whatever Kanye does or doesn't do is gonna be in the news. We know that at this exactly. Point. So that's how it is with him. And along with that, we had the whole fiasco with the astro world so my condolences to all eight of the people who of course their life it's where me personally people who know me know that i've never really been a big fan of festivals and even with that that's never really been a fear of mine it's where i've seen stampedes happen when it comes to like shootings and other stuff but i haven't really seen one happen in this way where they're just so excited to get to the front of the stage that Mm -hmm. they trample folks to death like that's scary and it's like with that it's I feel like Travis, if he's traumatized the way that I would expect, he might not be doing shows for a while. I think right. that's, that's a lot to deal with. Like, people are going to blame him for even inciting it. And I don't think, I mean, I'll say I'm not a huge, huge Travis Scott fan. I respect mm-hmm. him. But I'm not a huge fan as a whole, but I definitely don't. I mean, he obviously didn't, didn't know what was happening from up there. It's like, right. even if he saw that there was some chaos going on, I don't think he had any idea that people had just, like, actually died from it. So Yeah, no, I mean, I... 10 years of my life over a decade was in live event production and i've you know mm. been both in the back and i've been backstage i've been in the front row i've been in the back row um yeah. when you're an artist on the stage 
people think that you see everything, but you really don't. Like a lot of it is lights in in a blur, and yeah. you're just feeding yeah. from the energy of the crowd. So if he saw an uproar. He might have thought it was just they were excited to see him. He didn't. Yeah. I'm sure he didn't know people were being literally trampled to death. And I think yeah. a lot of what's going around now is a lot of false information about. Um, well, he is. He did say that he was paid for the funerals, but um, a lot of information about um, who is responsible and um, who will get sued. Also, the last couple of days, uh, Summer Walker just dropped her project, um, and her project. I'll say like. Most folks know that I'm not a Summer Walker fan personally because of some of the stuff she said about L.A., obviously. But <laughs> as far as her being a singer, I actually don't have too much against her. I would say the album's pretty solid. I mean, it's the type of album that's not for me, but I still do enjoy it enough. And like that track, uh, Unloyal with Ari, I'm like, this is this is kind of fire. And yeah. then I learned that the person playing the sax is the homie from FAMU. So FAMU is in the building on there. So Here we go. You know, you know, that's what it is. So. Have you heard the project at all yet? I scanned through the project like really quickly. Okay. Um, and much for the same reason that you just said, I, I know it's not for me. And yeah. I don't have like a major beef against um, her music or her sound. Um, I think in the age of social media, sometimes I, and I'm guilty of this, and I, I'll be honest about it, I get biased. Huh. I'm guilty of letting someone's social media personality or the shenanigans mm, I see yeah. them do. It kind of turns me off, but I still sure. want to know if they're releasing good music. So I'll scan through just to hear the quality. Um, but it's not an album that I, I sat with. It's not an album I see myself sitting with. And that's part <laughs> yeah. of where like the shenanigans and social media like influences yeah. me. Like I don't even want to hear it. But I um, get that. It it wasn't it from what I heard, um it was nothing new. But it, I'm not saying it was bad music, but it was it, there was nothing new. Like, I yeah. I didn't I wasn't wild at all. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I get that. I feel like it is um, it's very modern sounding, but she has one throwback uh, that has kind of that like Ghost Town DJ sound to it. So I'm like, all right, she mixed it up a little bit. But, mm -hmm. um, along with that, Terrence Morgan dropped the album. Of course, I rock with that. Terrence Morgan, he had that. <laughs> yep. So a couple of projects, and the last thing before we get into our um. Rewind segment. So what what's your expectation for Silk Sonic's album? They dropped their third single, Smoking Out the Window. And um yeah, it's finally coming out. You it's know, they, finally yeah. coming out. Um I don't have I'll say this, it'll be a success and people will love it. I okay. don't have a lot of um faith that I'll love it. But I'll be able to listen to it. It'll it'll okay. be a nice some. It'll be something to listen to. I think they took the criticism well um, <laughs> from uh, yeah. when they released Skate, and I yeah. think uh, they went back to the lab and was like, "All right, now nah, you know you can't give us something like leave the door open and not have the rest of the album be amazing as well." So yeah. I think that's probably where we at. I think when they released um, the latest single, it was more. Like they are listening to what people are saying, which yeah. I do appreciate. I appreciate that, like them being receptive to what their fans want to hear. Yeah, for sure. I feel like uh, just hearing those three songs and the intro, I'm pretty sure the whole album's gonna have the same sound. I doubt it's gonna have anything that's even 80s ish. I think it's gonna be straight 60s and 70s, yeah, more acoustic. So, yeah, uh, of course, by the time this is released and y'all are listening, the album is out. So, I'll make my prediction and say it's a solid. 8.5 out of 10, as is my prediction. But 
We'll see. I'll probably end up streaming it and all that live when it comes out. So that's what it is for that. So let's go ahead and get into that rewind segment. To everybody who is listening, in the rewind segment, we like to highlight artists who we feel may be unsung or just deserve to get even more flowers than they already have. So to get into that, EB, um, who would your pick be for this this episode? Uh, this episode, I got to go with um, the Funky Dreads from over in London, England. Okay. Um, soul to Soul. And Ooh. I know people have heard like them call themselves the Funky Dreads, not realizing why. It's because they all had locks. Um, yeah. The way Soul to Soul started, actually, it was actually um, a collective of DJs and sound engineers um, who would just huh. play around town. Um, and then they added singers. So the group has had almost 30 members you know people leave and come and leave and come um but they formed in 88 uh jazzy b is probably um he was the leader of the group but he's probably most recognizable to a lot of people him and uh of course karen wheeler um yeah for sure when the group dropped i think they had seven people in it and um from that first album karen was actually only on two songs their first uh single was fair play and um Rose Windross was actually the lead singer of that one. Their second single was called Feel Free and Doreen Waddell was the lead. Um, so during that time in the late 80s, they established the like the rave and the EDM sound that would take off in the 90s because, you know, their thing was dance. Um, 89 is when they dropped Keep On Moving. And that's when people really started to take notice. Karen Wheeler was on leads there. Um, New York Radio actually had a major influence on um, them blowing up the way they did because DJs would use keep on moving as like the theme music for their five o'clock traffic jam. And they would play that every day. And, you know, eventually people picked up on it. Um, after that, they dropped back to life and back to life is a beast that never stops back to life. I still credit with being, um, the mother of hip hop soul, just because that was the first time we really heard, and everybody in the industry acknowledges that that was the first time they really heard someone melodically singing over a real hip hop beat as opposed to, um, you know, a singer and throwing a rapper on the track. It was like, oh, no, this is somebody mm. singing. And says, Most people don't know. We talk about like hidden meanings a lot. Back to life. Karen wrote that because she actually had a near death experience where she died and they revived her. So that's why the words are back to life. And you, know, you think that. about the um, the lyrics and she's saying, however do you want me? However do you need me? She's talking to God. She's saying, well, you got oh, me here. Oh. So what do you, like, you brought me back. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. She was angry for coming back because she said that what she saw when she was gone was beautiful. So the next time you <laughs> listen to um, Back to Oof. Life and you're thinking it's a party jam. <laughs> nah, not That's exactly. Wild. It's about death and wow. being resuscitated and brought back to life. Um, but like I said, New York, again, was instrumental in that song taking off. And then everybody knows the scene from um, Belly. You know, everybody knows the scene from Belly. Uh, with, yeah, uh, that song was in it. And then DJ Clue did um, the mixtape with Jada Kiss and Mary when they remade the song. But um, So to So actually was hosting a, res- a residency in London um, at a- different clubs. And what happened was that's how they would test their music out their new music for audiences back then. So the collective would come up with something. They would play it in the club to see if the people liked it. And then if they did, all right, let's record it, put it on an album, let's market it. Um, they've had five albums since 1990 or 1989. First one was a uh, club classics volume one. And that's when 
that's where people know them from. That's when they won the Grammys for uh-huh. um, African Dance and um, Back to Life. But um, they continued releasing albums through 97. They released five um, in that uh, period of time. And today they still tour. They've, like I said, almost 30 members leaving and coming. And they've been struck stricken by tragedy of people dying and people being killed. But they're still going. They're still touring. Karen is back with the group now. She's left okay. several times, um, which has caused them to have to bring in different singers and re-record things. But obviously it was Karen Wheeler's voice that people most um you know they were they recognize it and and it a lot of their success came from her singing the lead even though on their first album she only sang lead on two songs they just happened to be the singles that blew up the main singles yeah i didn't realize that that's crazy i remember she had some solo songs on her own like oh the, yeah living in the light and those tracks yep. so she had a couple and they i've never i think about that whole sound which Nobody can ever come to a true agreement on what we call that sound. If it's British soul, British right. hip hop, acid jazz, yep. hip hop soul, whatever you want to call that whole yep. sound, I feel like uh, "Back to Life" is just that number one song in that whole lane. Like that's the one, the one that we one. always think about. That's the it's first the one that comes one. to mind. And like you said, that that belly sing was just like it's crazy that you mentioned like what it really meant because it feels so much different in that scene. And it felt like it was juxtaposed, like it was basically clashing. But now that you say it that way, it kind of does give you the feel it of gives like you the feel. an eerie song that was about being near death because people about to die. People about thing. to, yeah. So, and, yeah, and you know so. that's what she said. She's like, I actually died. You know, when yeah. I was revived, um, I didn't want to come back, but I wrote this song. It just so happened that you know Jazzy B put this amazing beat under it and we'd be dancing to it not realizing oh no nah, she was gone like she was gone gone she's talking to god in the song so it's not the party jam we think it is yeah it's wild to, to hear it that way i had no idea but yeah we're still gonna party to it though oh of course i'm that, not gonna stop partying I'm, I'm gonna be in the club dancing just thinking deep thoughts now I'm like <laughs> so what if this, what, what if this is my last you know what is this is it? How, yeah yeah that's how it is with that so a uh, salute to soul soul to soul so my pick is going to be from a similar era. It's going to be Grand Poobah. Grand Poobah Yo. was from, from uh, Brand Nubian. So with Grand Poobah, a lot of folks, I would say, who weren't deep, deep hip-hop heads in the 90s, probably would recognize him the most from those Sprite commercials, I think. That's probably what <laughs> yeah. was really one of his biggest commercial uh, accolades, I would say. But Poobah basically was in Brand Nubian. And it's the funny thing about them now, looking back, is that I remember they... Had the album. Of course, I wasn't there in 90 when they had the album to know who mm-hmm. they were. But I remember it was a big deal in 98 when they got back together. Everybody was like, Brand Nubians back together. And I was like, oh, yeah, Grand, Grand Poopa did come from that group. Because I was, yep. when I got in the rap 94, 95, I remember Grand Poopa from I Like It. Right. That's the that's the first <laughs> single he had that really just took off. So that's yep. the one that had that Elder Bards uh, um, sample on it, of course. And, and now, now that you look back at it. Whenever you watch these Lord Jamar interviews, I, I can totally understand how Why? that group could not function. Even though Poobah's on the interview with them from this year, it's like you can see how they, how they probably did clash. I feel like Poobah was just a real laid back, cool type, of course, and they had Sadat X in the group as well. And I know all of them really separately in, in the mid 90s, but Poobah to me, looking back, was one of those who I would say was underrated when it came to being a dope rapper who was actually lyrical, but had that playfulness. He had that. He used melody a whole lot. He's one of the first rappers to really use melody a whole lot. So even though I like it, he just kept on singing random little snippets of songs. And and I feel like that's something that was common on the East Coast because Biggie would do it back then too. So it was where I don't know who was the first one to come up with it, but he was one of the ones who 
I identify with that sound. And I feel that in that era, I think he, to me, he was similar to Q-Tip too. I think he had, he was almost like, like um, a B B level Q tip in a sense because everybody knew and loved Q tip and tried, but Pupa was still more so in that hip hop lane where you might not see him at at as many award shows. He'll be in a magazine, but it'll be more so in that one collage that had him and eight, eight different rappers. It wasn't like right. he's always gonna be on the cover as a solo artist, but everything he made was dope. I feel like the the main uh, album that I would probably say was my favorite from him was probably the one he dropped in '95, uh, the 2000, 2000 album. So. I think that's probably my favorite from him. And also one of his uh, biggest, biggest, uh, I won't say accomplishments, but the fact that he had Mary rapping. Now, he had Mary on this album, on that yeah. first album, singing way off key, and I still loved it. All the way. <laughs> yeah, she was so off key, but it was just the vibe. And then he's on that What's the 411? And I feel like if you ever see them perform that together, I want to say it's on Yo! MTV Raps. Yep. I just love seeing that. Just they had that perfect chemistry. And they, they're both live, like, course it's me being an old head but i miss when they would just rap with just over the beat they ain't mm-hmm. have no doubles no vocals and mary is a singer she just raps so cool and the way he bounced back and forth with her the way he had his flow like he had that little swing to his his flow like i felt that he definitely deserves a lot more credit for what he did and then when they got back together in 98 they had that um don't let it go to your head to me i always joke and say that's one of like the most um introspective jiggy songs ever because oh, it's yeah. like it's actually a deep song it's but that deep, deep. It had that jiggy beat to it. It had that little like Jermaine Dupri Diddy type of like that 98 chime, that bell to it that they used to use. And for some reason in Nigeria, that song is big in the club. I don't know why. What? Yeah. When I was over there, they told me, yeah, play this in the club. And they they rock with that in the club wow. out there. So I'm assuming it's probably the same in the UK because a lot of what yeah, pops be. off in Nigeria comes from UK anyway. Wow. So kind of random to me, but yeah. So uh, Pooba still has made some recent albums. He dropped one maybe five years ago and... He made a couple more albums with uh, Brand Nubian, of course, but I feel like Poop was one of those who just always had a dope stage presence. He had that personality. Like he's a type that is not mentioned as much as, of course, the Biggies, the Q-Tips, the Raekwon Method Man's. But when it came to having that personality and everything and being dope, like he's he's at that top level to me. I would say so. Yeah, I think I mean, and I say this all the time, which is crazy that. Um, when we were texting, he was like, this is who I'm going to go with. I didn't even say it then. But anybody listening, you could search my Twitter name and search oh, Ram wow. Pooba. And I say all the time, he's in my top five. He It might wow, be my number one. And like going back to what you were saying about his personality, like there are personal rappers. There's like the Slick Rick. There's the Pooba. There's like the yeah. Heavy D. Like, heavy D, yeah. They had like this huge personality. And even you talk about like him like being melodic sometimes and like singing these songs. Man, he was the king of it. Like he was the king of, yeah. of floating over a sample, but then um like still like using uh interpolation and putting like you know, a little bit of this song in there and a little bit of this song, like maybe like a slick rick yeah. or a Nuggie Fresh were doing before him. But he really They probably kinda, the fathers of it. I said that. Yeah, yeah he kind of popularized yeah. it in the nineties and um, you know, you know, he was the standout from Brand Newbie. And he like he went For solo sure. because he was the one that people really paid attention to. He wasn't the conventional rapper um at the time, but I still listen to two thousand. I ain't even gonna the whole album, I still play it. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. He has some fire on there for real. Yeah. So Yep, salute to uh to Soda So Karen Wheeler, of course, and to Grand Pooba. So let's move it on along to the uh the fast forward segment. So in the fast forward segment, we like to highlight artists who are making some waves right now who we think you all should be aware of. So for this episode, 
who would you select as your fast forward? My fast forward, um, let me pronounce her name correctly. First of all, is uh Emiza, I think. It's E-I-M-I-Z-A-H. Um, she's a singer, songwriter, and an actual artist, a painter, um, out of LA. Um she okay. takes inspiration okay. from and it's obvious listening to her music, but um people like Sade, Erica Badu, and Jill Scott. Um, and she really embraces the Neo Soul title. She actually loves the title. You know how most people, it's tricky. They some people some hate reason. it. Some people love it. She's one of those people like, no, I am, you know, I am Neo Soul. Um, she uh, started like remixing songs, you know, the way artists will do now. So she started re- remixing some Doja Cat songs and um, uh. she jumped on Streets and Woman. And from there, she released two singles. Um, the first one was Too Fine which I love, and then Divine Feminine, those both came out in 2020. This year, she released a five-song EP called A Rose from E. And my favorite song, and there's a song called Alone. Um, Her voice is incredibly sweet and soothing, but still very passionate. So she, I can see her um, being somebody that... You know, if she's working with the right people, with the right producers, she will be around for a while. Mm. Um, we talk about, uh, you know, the artist of today. Everybody pulls from the same place. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because, you you know, back in, you know, 10, 10 years ago, even 10, 20 years ago, you're asking people like, who, you know, who do you look up to? Who do you like? And they're saying like Mariah, they're saying Whitney, you know, some are going back and saying Aretha. Yeah. Now, you know, they're saying like Aaliyah, they're saying, you know, Erica, like, Badu, Erica, like, like, the yeah. new, like the newer school of artists. And it's very evident, but I love her voice. Um, there's not a lot out about her. Um, she has a dope. Uh, she has two dope Instagram accounts, mm-hmm. one for her as a singer songwriter and one for her art, which I love. But there's not a lot of information about her other than um, the inspiration she pulls from. And um, I'm hoping that. This year we got the EP. Next year we'll get a full album from her. Full album. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So she's 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 right here in LA. I'm gonna have to check her out for sure. She's right I'm there. Not familiar at all. So yeah, we got a lot of artists bubbling out here. It's crazy. So listen, that yeah. it, there's a movement going on right now, <laughs> and you know for a while, you know different coasts or different areas will own a sound. I really yeah. feel like LA is really about to own R and B. Like I'm not about to, but they kinda it. have been for the past couple of years, low key. But I really um, feel like that that's about to blow up that whole sound out there. I can see it. Hoping so. So salute to her for sure. My pick for this episode would be Toby uh Nuigwe. So yeah. Toby basically, he's one of those that a lot of folks might not know his name, but they have at least seen one of his viral videos at the minimum, especially if they're on social media. He's a very unorthodox rapper, I would say. He's the type that, of course, with most rappers, you can always point to their influences. With him, I would say a little bit of Andre 3000 at times, but beyond that, it's hard to even really say who he reminds me of. He has a very different, unique style. He's Nigerian from Houston. He actually played football. He's kind of a big big type of dude and one thing about him everything about his image and everything is uh unconventional like a lot of his videos he'll have his wife right right next to him in the video the whole time and it's like it's where he has a very his content is just different i feel like he is a very progressive rapper in a sense of he's letting you know like i'm not rapping about just like I'm, I'm i'm here to kill you i'm about to murder you i'm selling drugs it's very like progressive lyricism and i would say he's almost like 
if black Twitter had a rapper to, to represent them, <laughs> it would probably be him. I feel like uh, he is a woke rapper who's not like too woke to where you're going to clown him like like Dr. Umar. But a lot of his I- ideals, like the way he, you know, things he talks about will resonate with what I would say the black Twitter collective is known for. So with him, um, I first heard of him because he had that, um, I think the Try Jesus Not Me uh, video and that went viral a couple of years ago, but then I saw that Five Five one. Um, Five Five is just the a song he has with um, a lady rapper who he always raps with, um, of course. And on this track, it's just one of those high energy tracks. And they, I would say, a lot of his music, even that song, almost feel a little bit inspired by, if not inspired by, feel a little bit similar to like Shadish Gambino. This is America. It has that kind of African drum chant type feel to it. A lot of it has what we call a trap tempo, 70 BPM, where it's a mm-hmm. real strong bounce, but it doesn't sound anything like trap at all. It's not the same 808s with like the the quarter note, eighth note hi-hats on it. It's like, it's a very different type of production style. And I would say that as far as his albums, they're probably not the easiest to digest because of that. The production is a lot different. So I feel like they're always call uh, what production always call beats either stage beats or show beats to me a stage beat is a beat where it's not that the beat is that great but the artist is able to stand out and do their thing on it and they're, right. they're, the, they're the show versus a show beat is where the beat is so dope it don't matter if a rapper is on there or not or it don't matter if the rapper sucks i feel mm. like with him most of his production is mainly stage beats and a lot of times we, we might even clown or criticize Nas for having a lot of stage beats uh post illmatic is where the beat ain't all that great but but it's just like it, it works for what he's doing right with toby it's not that the production at all is bad it's just that it's very unorthodox it has a lot of it's real bare it might just be a couple random drums it might not have any melody but he's just speaking he just has bars and it, it helps his bars to stand out that way i feel like mm. if he was rapping over anything that was more glossy it would probably clash and you wouldn't really catch what he's saying the same way but he's caught the attention of the obamas so He's the type that he'll talk about it on his song about how he got the Obama's attention and how Erica Badu shot him out. And he's one of the ones who is best in that freestyle type of lane. So if you watch him at the 2018 BT Cypher, if you've seen him on uh, Sway, Sway Freestyling, he had a song called Eat as well, where when you see him in those spaces, that's where he really does shine the most. I feel like he's probably, uh, he'll catch your attention the most that way. And mm-hmm. as far as his projects, he has like, eight projects in the last like three, four years. It's crazy. Some of them have like like six songs. Some have eight, ten, but it's where he has all these different projects. I can't even say what my favorite one is. I know he had the uh, pandemic project that dropped. He has um, the the latest one, I think um, dropped maybe last year, but he has a good eight projects out there. And I feel like they're all about the same consistent uh, consistency wise. So he's the type I do think can make some waves. He has the right people looking at him and supporting him. He'll probably never be like a radio artist. He'll probably never be a club artist at all, but he doesn't have to. I feel like when it comes to his live shows and just what he brings, if his live shows are anything like the Five Five video, then I have to go to one for sure. Okay. I, well, you mentioned the, um, was it the BT Hip Hop Awards? Was that the 2018? Yeah, Cypher. Yeah. yeah, the Cypher. That's it. That's where I think I first encountered or saw him. And I will say um, he is like, an MC in every sense of the word, like a lyricist, yeah. as opposed to uh, 
just a rapper. Um, and I know people are like, "What? That's that's the same thing." I make no, a distinction. We know, we know the difference. We yeah, know the difference. There's a, yeah, there's a there's a difference. So, um, I I liked him. I thought he was dope. So uh, you definitely made me go. I gotta check out all his stuff now. I gotta go back and dig into yeah. his albums. I didn't know he had multiple albums. Same for me, yeah, because it was where I was at uh, my friend's Earl and Andrea's house a couple uh, weeks ago, and they. They're playing a five five video on TV, and I'm looking like, all right, like I'm at least intrigued enough to see what he got. So, <laughs> and he has a lot of dope features too. He has even mm. um, like Big Crit on, on his latest album. So he has some some artists who rock with him too. So yeah, so salute to uh, salute. Toby for sure, and uh, let's, let's see what they they come up with next. So love it, everybody who is listening. Um, about to have a quick intermission. We're gonna have an interesting uh, drop this episode. We're gonna have a, a guest, one of my friends, who's. You know, also a bison just like EB. And we're going to talk about, you know, something that a lot of us do debate a lot as far as this, you know, R&B goes. And also what's going to happen after that, we're going to have our beat match. We're going to have a beat match for you that I hope y'all um can go on social media and tell us what you think about that one. So we'll get to that soon. But in the meantime, make sure to listen to our, our playlist. We do have that Spotify playlist that has... Everything that we've mentioned so far. So catch up on that music that we have on there. And we'll be right back. Everybody, everybody, welcome back. This is Behind the Wheels, and it's time for the drop. We're going to do something different this time. So for our guests this episode, we have one of my friends who I'm always either agreeing with or debating with on Twitter, <laughs> either way when it comes to music, but uh, it's my boy Brian Vickers. He is a Howard University graduate, just like EB is. H-U, you know. Bison, Bison in the building, all that, all that, and um He's a music supervisor, but tell them about yourself real quick just so they can get familiar with who you are. Yeah, and what you for do. sure. Uh, once again, my name is Brian Vickers. I'm originally from Birmingham, Alabama, sweet home, Alabama, roll tire roll. Um, and yeah, I, I've worked in uh, music supervision now for a little, man, just about a little over 10 years, just about. Um, I've worked at a couple couple trailer houses, uh, one of which is uh, one of the larger trailer houses in Hollywood called Trailer Park. Um, and I currently work at Disney, uh, at the in-house called the hive and we work on some of everybody's favorite trailers, you know, which can range anywhere from star Wars and stuff to, you know, to soul to Hamilton, you name it. We, we probably worked on it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, this is your thing, especially with soul last year. That's that's one of those movies. (laughs) Musically, man. Look, I appreciate it. So salute to you for that. So, all right. So thank you for coming on. So. Today, what we're going to do for everybody who's listening, we're going to rank the last six decades of R&B and, and our soul music, however you want to call it. Basically, that's going back to the 1960s. So what we're going to do, I think um, we, we can just start off like each of us can say what we think was, you know, number one, then number two, three. But within that, we don't necessarily have to come up with our own, like with, with a, a solid top six between the three of us i mean if we can we can that would be dope if we can but if it's something yeah. that we just don't agree with i mean that's what it is so i think uh we can just to uh just to kind of give a quick not backstory but just to kind of explain it real quick i feel like a lot of times people always do debate what the, the best decade is and usually it's between two decades that we'll probably see 
But I feel like Uh-oh. personally, there's another decade I feel is right there next to those. And then from there, from there, I think we all will probably agree on the number six. But I think between four and five, it <laughs> might be a little bit of some, hmm, it yeah. might be a little tricky. We're we going to see. We're going to get into it. So, our, so as our guest, um, Brian, you can go ahead and go first and then we'll have EB go second. What would you say is the best decade from 1960 up to 2010. So so when you asked me about this question, I thought like, all right, number one is a lot. And it's the one that I will, you know, that's the one you'll down the hill for. It's the 70s. Yeah. And it's it's kind of yeah. no okay. brainer. It's by far. Um, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's my top. Yeah. I'm easy, I'm right easy. there with you. It's it's you cannot get that expression of soul in any other decade the 70s is number yeah. one pick <laughs> i agree i mean so that's that's mine for sure i feel like some of our peers who grew up and came up on 90s music right. might say 90s and i mean i get it because right. of the nostalgia but i feel like for one everything from the 90s came directly yep. from the 70s and the 80s mm-hmm. even with hip-hop like hip-hop too but so much of what we listen to even today is the 70s and for us to have not been there for us to both to all i should say for all three of us to be right. 80s babies but we, we could probably mention 570 yeah. songs if not more probably 80 90 albums i yeah. feel like it was just the peak i feel like creativity and everything it was that perfect um balance where the synth tag can take right. it all the way over so it was basically all acoustic music and even when it wasn't <sighs> those early like parliament records yeah. i mean that's r&b to me of course yeah, of it's course. Funk, but it's still r&b funk. so all that yeah you disco the coming in at the end of the era Every like disco man. came and in it's, right yeah. not, it's, it's dope dance music yeah but it's still layered enough for it to feel just amazing like when you think about a group like earth wind and fire right and how like they make joints that we yeah. still yeah. play on a regular and it ain't just old heads that go up to it like Young guys are still into a lot of the stuff that comes from the 70s. So I think it's probably the most influential era. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I think it's probably I would go as far to say that in terms of Mm -hmm. like the modern soul movement, the 70s laid the foundation for all of that. Like 70s was when we first Hmm. entered the era of what we now call R&B. You know, everything before. Yes, it was R&B, but there were elements of like pop and elements of the blues and elements yeah. of gospel, all that got married in the 70s. And yeah, now we man. got yeah. you know, this machine yeah. that we call R&B. That's, that's real. I even feel like, like you said, with Neo Soul even, like like yeah. late 90s is where everything from that came directly from the 70s. Yep. So it's crazy that a lot of stuff, even today, you still hear soul right. music that sounds like the Neo Soul era, which sounds like the 70s. I feel like it all goes. We we got one. That. That's so, what's up. So we, all right, we all agree one. with that one. So that's number one for everybody. Is we, we got one. We got Here's one. where the, the, right, we got one. Gonna start. All right. All so right. we got that. Now number two. <laughs> number two. Let's My see. number two. Let, Brian, what, what would you say for number two? And I say that admittedly, I know it. I thought about it. All right. Okay. Number two. I'm gonna say the sixties. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I'm gonna say the '60s, and here's why. Usually, a lot of people. Ooh, okay. It's funny to say that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. I was born in the '80s. Yeah. In the '90s, just like I'm sure y'all are too. But um, it's tricky because I'm supposed to say either the '90s or the '80s at number two, but I say the '60s, and it's not just because of the Motown stuff. It it is Motown is a big part of that, but you also got to remember how many other artists mm-hmm. were killing it in that era and were doing stuff yeah. that eventually kind of laid at least the foundation of what would eventually be the big soul movement of the 70s. 
So I, I have to go there. Like the arrangements were dope. You know, the artists were doing it right. right. Like you had to be a knockdown. Sure. I mean, like y'all saw the five heartbeats and the temptations and stuff. Like it's you and your boys. And if y'all trash, like you will get found yeah, out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I think that I, I just love what was in the 60s. <laughs> the protest music was dope. Granted, I know that, that yeah. that's in other eras too, but it was just different, man. And again, the arrangements, everything had a big, a big band to it or some strings or some stuff. Like it, it was great. So that's a it's a hot take, but yeah, that's my number two. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I respect it. I respect it. I mean, um, yeah. I respect that. So I could see it. What'd you say for for uh, right. your number two? I gotta go with the eighties for my number two. Yeah. Um, it, right. it was hard trying to like put them in order because I was going by what I listened to the most, and then the people mm. that came out of those decades. So like the eighties yeah. was when you know we got. The, like the birth of the modern producer like we had luther we had kashif we had patrice russian we had angela winbush and then you had all the groups you had the midnight stars the atlantic stars and then you had the new jack swing coming in so you had the guy coming in you had yeah. new edition you still had the jacksons at the beginning of the decade and then by the end you just had michael jackson maybe yeah. a little jermaine here and there but the 80s is like number two on my list. I can see why the 60s is number two on your list. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, the 80s just got the slight edge to me just because of the names and the producers, the power ballads, like all of that. I definitely, I definitely <laughs> get it. I feel like for 60s, um, I'll probably explain uh, a little bit later. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead with my pick first before <laughs> I even talk about it. But I'll say, I'll say I'm going to go 80s. Like it's one of those things where a lot of folks who, you know, once again, say 90s over all that, but 80s, I feel like, Cynthia, is the most underrated yeah. uh, decade because it feels like a lot of folks just directly associate 80s with that overly synth kind of cheesy sound. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that wasn't it. Like, what I realized, too, even yeah. just DJing, is that a lot of what people call 70s came out in 80, 81, 82. Right. So a lot of our yeah. favorite soul songs, especially those party songs, Outstanding, Before I Let Go, mm -hmm. Never Too Much, Remind Me, yep. Yearning For Your Love. All those came out early, early 80s. And it's like a lot of it because it still had that, that 70s soulful sound before the synths took over yeah. all the way. You might associate that with the 70s. But those party jams, I feel like, I'll, I'll say this too. I think the <laughs> 80s has the best party jams out of all the decades. Because you yeah. get all those, you get you get Candy, you get the Guy I Like, you get the Just Got Paid, you get the Bobby and the Edition type songs, you get the Mike and Prince it's like, I think the 80s had the best upbeat. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, yeah. I feel like when it comes to, yeah. It's a close one. Yeah. 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 Uh, 80s and not the 60s, not with the 60s, but I would say 80s and 90s yeah. are like, yeah, at least yeah. I see for party I music. I, 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 I definitely think so. I feel like there's a, there's with a 60s, combo I think, there, um, you know what I mean? I would say party music if you were there in that era. I think for the 80s, <laughs> you didn't have to be there in the 80s to actually. Like even little kids can hear candy and dance to it, or, or little right. fireos like yeah. Candy Girl and and those from the New Edition movie. That's true. But yeah. The 60s, I feel like I would say the, yeah. str the strength of the 60s to me was the singing, the vocals. I think, like you said, you oh, had yeah. to be a singer in the 60s. You had to have that. Yeah. Everybody came straight from church. I don't think there's a single oh, atheist yeah. from the 60s who <laughs> made it successfully. I don't think so because even the 70s when I had them kind of know, right? spiritual yeah, type. Man. The 60s, you straight from the Baptist church, straight from there. Yeah, that's true. One hundred percent. Yeah, you already know where Otis is from. Yeah. This man leave a job working in a right. factory exactly. to go sing some ballads or some job. You know, that's why I'm sitting on the dock of the base so depressing. Yeah. He like, look, man, I'm just gonna do this. Just joint. go back. Yeah. Like, that's all he had. That's all he had. Yeah, I thought he. I... Right, that's all he had. 
Like, could you imagine, like, the parties in the 60s? I'm sure they went up, but, like, well, you know, Sam Cooke is <laughs> yeah, going to sure. hit differently. I mean, yeah, for yeah, sure. It's, it's like the difference thing. between love the mashed Sam potato Cook, and the wop. So, like, yeah, yeah. you know, the wop, you know, it's got a little more energy. Yeah, you know, the mashed potato, real. you know, it's something for your parents. You can dance with your parents. There's more community, yeah. you know, in the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. That's real with that. Yeah. So, that's yeah, so, yeah. All yeah. right. So, number two, we basically, <laughs> a little bit of division. So, let's see. Number three. Let's see. Let's, let's oh, see. Yeah. Right. And, and, and my number three, sure okay, enough, okay. is the 80s for all the reasons that y'all said. Like, I, I think I look at two, uh, I look at the six uh, the 60s as a little more foundational. Mm. And I think that paved the way, of course. Well, clearly, because right. it's, it's the oldest era. But I also think about it in terms of, um, yeah, the 80s gave us so much, not just fun music. And I know we'll get into this when we talk about modern music. Like, stuff can be fun, but it can also you know what i'm saying like it can still resonate and it can still you know stick with you like i I look at you know one of my favorite artists is steve wonder and i look at his discography and you know we always talk about the genius run but even his stuff in the 80s oh yeah some good you know what i mean yeah yeah, he he has some bangers and i think he's one of those type artists where people don't listen to the Mm b-sides a lot Mm -hmm. and i'm like man this is where this is where most of the goal was and when you listen at some of his stuff and how he he not only looked at synths as oh this is a new thing like he really dug deep into right. it and i think a lot of artists were like that in the 80s whether him or prince or you know a ton of other folks that literally just you know there was this level of competition i know that was just who can use this instrument the best instead of everybody just sounding alike you know what i mean so uh yeah I, that's why i got 80s right behind it so yeah okay okay <laughs> I can rock with that. So, EB, um, I'm going to try to guess what you're going to say, but go ahead. I mean, uh, I'm not going to say it, but. All right. So, this, is where, this is. is where it was hard for me because yeah. um, I was torn between what I listened to, like what I spend the majority of my time listening to and what I feel was truly better music. Um, uh, I got to go with the 90s. Um, okay. Okay. I, I gotta go with the '90s only because, you know, that's where I grew up. You know, those those songs hit harder for me because I guess it's the nostalgia attached to it, or um, just just being there in the movement, mm-hmm. like you know, being there while music is changing. It was it's something I can't let go of. So. Ah, it's hard, but <laughs> yeah. in the '90s, yeah. I'm gonna say it. I might yeah, I might take okay, it back, okay. but I gotta put it down right now. I was thinking you might have said 62. Yo, I was, you was I there. Was, you was there. Yo, in the, in the... I was, listen, it was hard because I, I was like, oh, yeah, which one right. do I want to go with? But I got to I yeah. gotta be I gotta be real with me. I listen to more 90s. I listen to a lot of right. 60s, though. But I think I yeah. just listen to more 90s. I get it. I feel like it's, it's one of those that I don't even like answering because I was nowhere close right. to being alive <laughs> in the 60s. It's like... I wasn't even there in the seventies, but sixties is just so tough to even like. Yeah, we were. Yeah, our parents wasn't even together in the sixties. I feel like so. It's no. like it was so far back. So it's like I feel biased saying nineties, but it's like at the same time, even when I really do think about it, I think that what I can say about the nineties is that it evolved a lot quicker than really any. I would say the eighties probably evolved the quickest. Mm-hmm. After the eighties, I would say the nineties yeah. evolved the quickest. So yeah. starting off from nineteen ninety, you had everything from Oof. like. The troop songs that came out really eighty nine but blew up in nineteen ninety like the All I Do yeah, man. and you get like the the Mint Conditions the Tonys all of them to start the whole decade it evolved and it's like you had the hip hop influence but even with the hip hop influence 
not everything that came out in the 90s had a hip-hop influence. I feel like once you got to the 2000s, everything, yeah. especially 2010s, we're getting to that later, yeah. obviously. But I feel like the 90s still had... 90s had the most uh, diversity mm-hmm. along with the 80s because you had so many different styles. You had like the early Neo Soul with like the Jean A coming in. And then you had a lot of artists who were kind of more on the pop side, but they still made a lot of R&B like the Mariahs and yeah. the Whitney. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Whitney found her R&B like go really in that late 90s low key like right because she a lot of her stuff is more on the poppy side and you had the baby face type oh yeah of course the soundtracks i would say that the soundtracks in the 90s were the best for sure we, we get the boomerangs the way into his hills so even like brian said with the party music you had the candy rain type songs you had the uh oh yeah like i always laugh when i say it but even having immature type groups who had those party jams <laughs> And then I will also say that the, the 90s had the best sexual slow jams. I think the Good 70s ballads. had the best, I would say, ballads. 70s yeah. had ballads and Se- love songs. Ballads, yeah. 90s love had songs. slow jams. Yeah. Like, slow sexual slow yeah. jams, 90s. Yeah. Like I feel like it, it's funny because we're... Because the age that we right. are, I look back at those old commercials for like the uh, Time Life collection where they had wow. like, just to get close to <laughs> yeah. you. Like, they was having sex to that back in the day. Right. I don't know how. Right. We had we had genuine. With, we had with the, randoms yeah. too, not making love with yeah. the yeah, woman that would yeah. be your wife or the man that would be yeah. your husband. <laughs> but with yeah. random, Girl, that throw, was throw that, just yeah. that was in Slackabelli. Yeah. Like, they was just going yeah. for it. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I know, right? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I'm like that Lionel Richie, Lionel Richie and stuff. Yeah. So it's like you, you making love to Otis Redding sound like Man, 45 Otis, when he's 25. It's, like, it's a little bit though. different. So. You know what I'm I mean, listen. That's the homie. That's the homie. We love but, you know, twenty-five year old sounding like you look, missed some new points. Like he was like when I found out what AG dot. I know when I found out what AG oh, yeah. dot. I was I like, thought he nah, was. y'all are joking, man. Yeah. Was like, yeah. Nah. He was like, nah, man. He was like eighteen. Yeah, no. Nah. Right. Yeah. I thought he was like. like he's gonna have been twenty-six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. yeah. Nah. Yeah. I for real did. Like just his voice and everything. So yeah. So I feel like nineties just had oh yeah that variety, and then you had the collaborations with hip hop that kind of took it over the top. So. That's the reason I would put the 90s over the 60s. Of course, it's hard because I was not there in the 60s. I still feel musically the 60s was better because you still had to know how to compose and write the whole chart out. You had to know how to actually sing. There was no type of mm-hmm. like, of course, they didn't really use auto-tune or melodyne in the 90s. But even with that, the 60s, you had to actually sing, sing. And even if you weren't right. a great singer, like we all know Diana Ross is not a great singer, but she yeah, had a group of, uh, that's true. of better singers behind her to, to kind of reinforce what she did. True. So. Yeah, True. so I feel like oh my like nineties, like the nineties was the uh, peak of over singing. It was where I'm a really yeah early nineties ninety ninety three was just the peak of just over singing. Which I'll <laughs> I'll probably blame Aaron Hall for Aaron. Aaron got his yeah. I yeah. mean, I, was about to I say love Aaron Hall, Hall but I ain't got no tell you like that. that. <laughs> But th- that's where it came from. I feel like <laughs> I know? miss. Yeah, yeah. man, just pronounce to be Charlie Wilson. That's hey, but, but we still cry when that video. Oh yeah, for sure. Really Charlie, Charlie wants yeah. to be Stevie. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the lineage. Charlie, yeah, yeah all yeah. that. So it is. It is the era of. It really was singing. like the woman yeah. too. Even yeah, even some of those there. songs from Escape. Some of them, or some of them songs, understanding. Like the first oh, verse yeah. was sound like the oh, third yeah. verse. You know, they they came out swinging on that first verse on it. Yeah, yeah. Sonny Gill too. 
Yeah. Hey, boys, uh, boys, boys to me. Yeah. You got to miss between oh my boys are and, and Latasha Scott from Escape. It's so many runs. Man. Like Flojo can't even do it. It's so many runs. Like unnecessarily. It's, it's I love them, but yeah. they were very unnecessary. Love them. Yeah. Yo, on on even yeah. on uh, it's so hard to say goodbye. Like when you get to yeah. the end, I'm like, hey, did they just yeah. revert that or was? Oh, he really did, he really that, did lick that for like five he minutes. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, like, even like even. Even intro of Ribbon in the Sky, we love that remake of Stevie. Oh, but yeah. End of that song, once the beat changed, yeah. it's just like, all right, y'all could have faded that out a little bit. No, nope. can't do no, it. They Stevie just start saying, saying, saying it. Oh, one of so. these ribbons, you're going to yeah. get every single ribbon we yep. got. You're going to earn them. You're going to earn them. <laughs> but that's what they did yep, with so. Stevie's song. Think yeah. about what Jodeci was doing. Like, oh Casey my and Jodeci were yelling at each other. That's like, that's Stevie's songs, like yelling at each other. That's literally why that episode of Martin was yeah. so funny because that's exactly. their thing. Oh, seriously, they, they just hollered. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, you know, yeah. 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 yeah, Varnell Hill, like they got it yeah. right. Marvin was just <laughs> Martin was just yep. like imitating what they right. do. So that was that yeah, era. Man. So, so yes, looks like so so far, so far halfway through it. Brian's top picks: one is the seventies, two is the sixties, third is the eighties. And as always, me and Eb are tied right yeah. now. Seventies, eighties, nineties in order. So. <laughs> Yep. So, all right. So let's see if we agree on, hey, on the rest of them. Let's this, see. This, um, for uh, number four, Brian, uh, what would you I, say see, is your number is, four pick? This, I'm assuming no. it has to be nineties, right? The, right. Wait. This, this is, is the one where, he was talking about. That was gets squirrely. Because you think like, hey, hang on. Wait. If you drop the nineties anywhere below this, now you just being contentious. Now you just you hate yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. You hate your childhood, like brother. You hate your childhood or Who something. Who gave like, you the hug? You didn't have a radio man. growing up. Like, so that's you, that's, that's yeah. why it gets tricky. But I am safe in this one. Let's I see. am going to say the 2000s. And it, it's a bit of a hot take, but when wow. you think about wow. it. Because, okay. again, like you talked about with the 60s, um, and excuse me, the 70s. Like we said, it laid the foundation. I think you mentioned the 90s were the one that laid the foundation for Neo Soul. That literally was the Neo Soul movement in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. Like you you got some of the dopest jams from that era, you know, whether it's it the yeah. Skies yeah. or, you know, the D'Angelo's, all that kind of stuff. And honestly, that's the stuff that they're still trying to replicate yeah. right now. But outside of that, you still got like, you got like Mary J dropping. I think, I believe, uh, didn't Breakthrough come in that? I think. Yeah, yeah. So you got that, and I think Rhea yeah. was in there right? somewhere. Yeah. Sure you did. know, if I was still in school, yeah, she, I, when, when, it, yeah, it was her and yeah, um, yeah. her and back to Timberland. So you have, yeah. you got, yeah, you got something. I think for everyone, and I think Rock the Boat like, oh, one. It, yeah. it was so easy to just kind of overlook the two thousands, but yeah, I, if anything, because it was neo soul, so you got something for the slightly older heads, and then you got like some kind of more of a hip hop fusion type situation happening for the younger folks. I think my girl Amory was on the scene, had the biggest crush on Amory. Don't tell the wife, oh my gosh. Was my girl, I used to watch the center. I was bored watching Ooh, the center. I was yeah. like, man, what's up, Amory? Yeah. What's up? <laughs> but yeah, hey. uh, yeah, she was hey. great. Um, but yeah, hey. I already know. I know it. I know it. <laughs> Don't tell him that, man. Like, yeah. oh my god. I mean, but she was in DC when we were in DC, man. That, that was wild. But like, yeah, I was just saying, she was, was there so while we were there. And even then, you can get weird and, and even talk about the Kanye stuff hey. because even yeah. though it technically is like this fusion what he did literally ended up changing r&b and hip-hop for the next couple decades yeah. with 808s and heartbreaks so i think it, it was another i always think about like 
how influential that era was. I think one of my like when we talk about like favorite mm-hmm. albums of all times, um, I know Voodoo is in there. Like it's it's literally it's it's in the top three for me. Um, and I just think about how that album was was great and we loved yeah. it. And there were so many sure. that could kind of be in the same, you know, the same you know room, at least as that album. So, um, yeah, another another hot take it is. But uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I like the 2000s. OK, OK. I mean, OK, I mean, I you, have, you have a good case for it. So, yeah, can't be mad. So, E.B., uh, what's your pick for that? Number right. four. Number four I mean, is the 60s. And okay. it's just, I mean, number four is Aretha Franklin became Aretha Franklin in yeah. the 60s. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we talk about the 90s and like the over-singing. Yeah, they could sing in the 60s, but there was a formula to it. So you had to follow that formula to be successful. She yeah. kind of broke that mold that gave us that over-singing of the 90s. But the 60s is, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, uh, you got the, like, the Temptations doing Randy. their thing. You got the Dells doing their thing. Like it, it's one of those decades. You got James Brown uh, doing his thing. Isaac Hayes, you know, Isaac, like yeah. a lot of people who we think of as '70s artists, that that foundation was set in the '60s for them. So that's my number four. Hmm. I definitely rock with that same thing. Number four, I feel like, and I'll say I probably don't listen to as much '60s as, as the uh, the decade since then, just because of, of course, not being there, not having that connection. But overall. I respect the 60s a whole lot. And like with Motown, I will say I'm not the biggest Motown fan when it comes to Motown Package. 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, I always joke and call it uh, shiny shiny soup music of the of the era because it was like, yeah. I feel like it was very yeah. commercial. It was very yeah. like to the point, yeah. but it's like the same. Yeah, very packaged. Yeah. But at the same time, it was where a lot of it was still good quality. It's like Temptations. We still sing right. those songs to this day. Like the fact that the kids love yeah. that movie. Like that's, that's the oldest I would say it has to be the oldest music-based movie that even <laughs> kids and people born in the 2000s right. like because, and because yeah. of the music. The music was a huge part of it. I feel like anything be- be- before that, like anything that's based oh, yeah. on Duke Ellington, Cab Calloway, like a kid's not going to really gravitate toward it. Mm-hmm. Temptation still made catchy enough music. Yeah. So you had that. You did have that early, early funk. You had that uh, James Brown. James Brown came early in, in those 60s, and it was where he... Still yeah. had Mark. You had that early Isley. You had uh, Jackson 5 to, yeah. to it. So it's like a lot of those groups, we still do listen to a lot of those songs. And even that Wiggins, a lot of those songs from those from that era came from that. Smokey Robinson just had the most crazy run right. when it came to <laughs> what he wrote. And the funny thing, it's always funny. Uh, one yeah. thing for us or anybody mm-hmm. born after the 60s is looking at how many songs were remakes. And I had no idea that this yeah. song was not this person's song. And so-and-so had it first. Mm-hmm. Like that was just a thing back then. It was just like you did this song, it's cool, I'm gonna do it too. So you get three three or four versions of, of classic songs that were all dope in their own way. So I'm gonna say sixties for my uh, number four pick for sure. It it gets weird too with the sixties when you think about the politics side of it, in that mm-hmm. literally race records. Like, hey, we got this literally black artists wow. that get a song. Hey, let's let's get them to do uh, it too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yo. Yeah. And, and honestly, and I'll be super real with you, that's why I still don't rock with the Beach Boys. Like a lot of people are like, hey, hey, yeah. hey you, you want this new beach yeah. boy? Like, nah. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's disrespectful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I know uh I always joke, like, yeah. I can't wait to see if and when they end up doing a little Richard movie, because you think about how many people this dude put on. 
I guess a, a modern one. You mean yeah, like a modern new one. Yeah, yeah, I mean like a like a new Leon type. You know what I mean? Like a new age. Like a yeah, okay, big, okay. Big production behind it because yeah. you think I get about you, I get like you. what how frustrating that had yeah. to be. Like you're doing your thing as a black artist, and then you hear somebody doing your song, and you get nothing from it, and then they take <laughs> off. Like this is the best act yeah, ever. Look. Like bro, we've been doing this joint for the last. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's 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 tricky with the sixties. Yeah, disrespectful. It's it's music made by us, like for the first time made by yeah. us with you know ownership of our stuff, but yeah. marketed for other people in other ways Man. because it wasn't palatable by us. Nah. Like they they didn't want to hear us sing the song. They wanted somebody that looked yeah, like them tough. to sing it. Yeah, I get that. Mm, mm, yeah, that's what it was. And I mean and also right. in the sixties you, you had like Ray Charles dropping mm-hmm. the 50s, of course, but like the 60s is where he got his stride. And mm-hmm. that's really where we started having that strong gospel influence in oh, R&B. Because yeah. 50s, it was a huge separation from gospel yeah. and the doo-wop. And it felt like right. everything evolved Thanks. in the 60s. So so I definitely have to roll with that, too. So, so the number five pick. So, I, Brian, it better be the 90s. If, if the 90s is not <laughs> so your number if, five if pick, 90s, you might have to uh, if the 90s cut you out of here. I, I could see y'all kicking me off the thread, and that'd be fine. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I would never. I, and, yeah, and that's like, the thing. I love yeah. '90s music and listen to it so yeah. much, man. Like I, I literally like for the kids. She gets yeah. Tevin Campbell every Friday. That's just what it is. Like, listen, you, you don't get this <laughs> oh, Tevin wow. because that's yeah. just it's fun music. You know what I'm saying? And granted, yes, it Got is. To. It's my childhood. Grew right. up with it. Blah blah blah. But it's just fun music. Like, you don't have songs like Aisha. You know what I'm saying? Like, what what's a new Aisha? She's the girl yeah, that I yeah. never had. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm, I just wanted to get to know her better. That's it, man. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I think that yeah. I'm, I miss a lot of that playfulness <laughs> that was in the And yes, the answer is the 90s. Yeah. I miss a lot of that playfulness that's in there. And I miss, you know, again, yeah, like you said, the singing was great. There were these big, yeah. huge productions going on. You know, Babyface basically was unstoppable during this era you know but there were so many different producers doing so many different things yeah. so yeah I, I yeah and and those are the songs that yeah it's still some 90s cuts to play yeah. like to this day man you go to a basketball game you go to a white wedding they will throw on this is how we do it and they will tear the place up you know like it's <laughs> oh, like easy. for us like you know it. that's I like our sweet caroline easy. you know what i'm saying easy. like yeah. Like if you thought yeah. it's expected, and the joint is gonna go up, yeah. Down, but um, yeah, it's, it's expected. It's the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no shade to the nineties. <laughs> nah. Okay, okay. I mean, nah. I was about to, I, was, I was getting scared. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, all right, I'm about to say so. Eb, uh, your fifth pick. Um, yeah, it's the two thousands. I. Yeah. I was trying to make a case for the 2010s, but I couldn't. So it's a 2000. And even just um, aside from, you know, everything mentioned earlier about the decade and, you know, the variety, you know, from, you know, Erica or Jill, D'Angelo. And then, you know, at the end, you might get like a, a Sierra or, or somebody, somebody. And then you got a Shanti's in there and a Keisha Cole's in there. So there's a lot of variety. But the lyricism, I think, of the 2000s. Yeah. Um, I think it was uh better, a lot better than the '90s. I think a lot of times the '90s were kind of direct and yeah, in your I face. Um, by the yeah. 2000s, they uh the writers would be a little more subtle with their approach on certain things for certain people. Because I mean, people like uh-huh. Usher was out there. Just it, it wasn't no subtlety in there. It was just this is what it is. <laughs> but um, yeah. you know, you got to listen to Erica stuff and 
you know, kind of think about the lyrics a little bit. Like, what is she really saying? You know, listening to D'Angelo, you know, once you actually can hear what he's saying and figure out what <laughs> he's saying. Luck. Be like, <laughs> once you, be like, once you, you know, Google it. Oh, yeah. yeah, once you yeah. Google oh, that's it, you're like, oh, that's, that's what he's talking about. You know what? I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah so 2000s, yeah. that's that's my number five pick. Number five, yeah. Same yeah. for me. Um, 2000s. And I feel like the 2000s, the thing about the 2000s is that it started off so strong and ended off mm. so not as strong. And it's yeah. like the main things about the about the 2000s compared to the 90s, like groups mm. completely became non-existent in the 2000s. So it's like the fact that we had no more R&B groups after. Right. That's something that, that existed since probably what? The 40s, 50s, I'm thinking. Yeah. At least. Most people were groups then. Yeah. Like there was. Right. There were all exactly. stars really didn't start until the late 60s, 70s. And even yeah. then, it was yeah. like everybody wasn't solo. There were still so many groups then. That's true. It's real. And it's like by the time you get to the 2000s, I get it because of everything from technology yeah. where you can have your own background vocals and doubles and harmonies along with his egos. I'm, I'm sure that. I mean, it, I get the Man. fact that every time we watch a group movie, it's always chaos because groups lead to chaos. Of course. And then labels don't want to deal with that because somebody's going to drop out the group. Whoop, whoop, yeah. whoop, whoop. So I understand why there are no groups from a business perspective, but that but we miss that. It's like, I'll even say this, this uh, which is kind of like, it might sound <laughs> funny, but like I used to always joke and say Pretty Ricky was the last like R&B group that had hits. <laughs> And when I thought about it, but it's, I mean, when I really looked at it, right, it's only yeah, Pleasure wow. who's singing, but they layered his vocals. That so I always thought it was oh, wow. a group of them singing. That's he was trippy. the only singer. The rest were all rappers. So they're not even an R&B group. Uh, they're a hip hop group of the singer. So with that, it's like, I guess we had Day 26. Oh, you had man. Before them, it's like, are we really going to groups who really came out in the 90s yeah. and had success in the 2000s like Jagged Edge, 3LW and Black? Like, they dropped in the 90s. Man. So it's like, I feel... That's the bands. biggest downfall to oh, me of the 2000s, the that it was, it was no more groups. and <laughs> Or bands. I mean, even yeah. with bands, like, you didn't get any, like, still don't mint condition. Yeah. That's and it. Groups is more hip-hop sound. Hip yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah. we were yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's the Handful. main thing. I feel like, <laughs> yeah. we got the internet. That's about, about it now. We have a couple little bands coming coming back, but. A handful. handful. Yeah, but I feel like. 2000s, as you said, I think yeah. it started off super strong. Uh, 2000 itself, Crazy. you had everything from what we debated before. We had the Jill Scott, Erica music, and D'Angelo albums dropping the same year. Mm -hmm. right. That's on top of having the, the Maya type. You had the Maya, then the Carl Thomas, yep. then the Destiny's Child. Everything sounded different if it wasn't Neo Soul. So yeah. it started off with diversity, and then by the time you get to 2009, you had Neo, you yeah. had Trey Songz on 2009. We can all say that. 09 when that Ready dropped. He, he yeah. took True. what TP2 was basically and made it his own thing. So, like Usher, True. Usher's run was basically that's what it is over by 08. Like when he dropped Love in This Club, it was okay, but it was like oh, I think Army just started to get kind of confused in that it's, late 2000s, you, you, and you, that you, led let, to we, we might want at least two because it, what I all three of our number six pick is obviously the crap on all the music. 2010s me, coming from me, that's like a loaded statement because I'm definitely man yeah. yelling at Sky. Uh, old head stay off my lawn about it but like I have to remind yeah. myself that there were some right. jams to come out during the 2010s I just think <laughs> when we when, in, yeah. in this conversation right. I think yeah. our whole thing has been what came prior you know how does it stack against other eras yeah. and when you look at the 2010s that's really the biggest thing is you know yeah it's easy to say man it all felt very you know monotonous and it mm -hmm. was this and that it, it was all similar whatever yeah. One thing that stood out to me is, um, shout out to the ladies, man. I think that the women 
dominated the 2010s, which is awesome. Yeah, they carried it. it it's great and it's dope. I do wish that there had been more of just oh, yeah, mean, soulful sure. dudes instead of just like, hey, sexy they carried dude. it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and 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 yeah. and y'all know what I mean when I say this. Like, I think that when we talk about the early earlier eras, and even if we're talking about the overseeing or whatever, I just uh, wish that there was mm-hmm. more. Um, <laughs> more dudes who were doing stuff but at the same right. time yeah. we also got to remember there were still albums that came out in that 2010 era where like you still get like the anderson packs of the world and you still you know of course you get the frank oceans and all this kind of stuff but yeah you get the man and that daniel album i to this day think that 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 daniel album's probably one of the best albums made still yeah, for in the like sure. last 15 right, years still Daniel Caesars, um, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, but it, it it it's just easy because yeah, it was fire before it, unfortunately. And then you know, I think it's a whole nother conversation that we can have about how music isn't in schools I anymore. Agree. How I agree. Don't really focus as much on learning. You know, a lot of the older stuff. I asked this question. I asked this question earlier, like, hey, y'all, what, what's your favorite, you know, um, decade? I was just asking it to some friends, you know, in prep for this, and I'm thinking, like, wow, um, everybody, of course, says what what's close to them and the nostalgic thing. But one thing that struck me is when the younger you get, the less likely they are to listen to stuff that's before them. And it's almost scary. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, dang, I didn't grow up in the sixties, but I know all this sixties music, but that's also because my parents would play it nonstop. But now, you know, you got an era where, Hey, I, I can just put my headphones in and I can listen to Spotify and I don't care what I'm listening to this Billy Eilish until the cows come home. You know what I mean? You know, so yeah. I do think that a lot of that kind of contributes. I just think for me, it, I feel by the 2010s, I aged out, not music changed, but I aged out. Like music wasn't necessarily or mainstream music. I should say it wasn't made for or marketed for me. It was for a younger audience and Oh, yeah. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it just wasn't for me. So that's why I just got to put it last. It's not like I would be bumping um, anybody that debuted during that uh, decade. Now, there are people who were making yeah. great music in the last decade yeah. that I, I would play all day. <laughs> but anybody that really debuted, that's probably the like, right. Maybe on my playlist, maybe five, 10 percent of my it playlist. But it's it's the minority. Yeah, like man. I aged out. It wasn't for me. And I and I. For a while, I was mad about it. Like, you know, I would call it all terrible. Like, oh, this is terrible. Like, what are these kids doing? But now yeah. I'm realizing, you know what? It wasn't for me to, yeah. to, to love or hate. It it was just it was just music. Yeah, I feel like it's so many different ways to look at the uh, 2010s. Um, I would say just on the on the right. more positive side of it, but still not as positive as right. that. It was right there. One thing we've all been saying lately, especially if you look on social media, people always say there's great music, but you have to find it. Right. And it's like, I get that. And it's like, because we're music heads, we do look for new music. But there's two issues with Man. that. For one, previous decades, you didn't have to look for it. It was there. It was on radio. Everybody yep. knew right. it. So it's like, and that leads to the fact that it makes it more of a commonality mm-hmm. when you're talking to people because it's hard to even... Even as a DJ, it's hard for me to play so much newer R&B. If the crowd don't know it, they're not going to respond to it. And it's mm-hmm. the same thing when right. it comes to, like, even when, when we do have a Daniel Caesar, we know that album is great because we R&B heads, but that was not like a top 10 Billboard thing when it first came out. Right. So I feel like, I, to me, I don't think that that sales and stats and charts validate something being good at all. Right. I, I'm the polar opposite of that. But at the same time, 
it makes it right. difficult when it comes to to um, trippy. connecting mm-hmm. with folks because I feel that if people aren't familiar with it, it's hard to force them on that. So it's like if you're a real music kid, you realize that there were there were a lot of great projects. Like my favorite album for the decade right. is probably Devin Morrison. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, most people who yeah. mention him too is like, who is he? Who is it? So it makes it tough to even really sell to folks. And then I'll even say at this level right. that me and EB have said before identity. A lot of the best stuff that we enjoyed in the 2010s sounded like something from the 90s or 80s or 70s. Right. So I feel like it didn't really have its Specific own unique it? sound the same mm-hmm. way. Any other decade, if we enjoyed it, even with Neo Soul, it's, it sounds very 70s influenced, but it doesn't sound like the 70s. Right. You hear the, the drum production like Voodoo, yeah. Right. Voodoo, Voodoo, you can tell, of course, it has the instrumentation, it has the breakdown similar to the 70s, but that Quest Love snare and the yeah. harmonies and mm-hmm. stuff, that wasn't around the 70s. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I feel like 2010s, anything that we did, like, it might have had some slightly modern drum patterns, but that was probably it. And then Summers, yeah. uh, a moving beyond that, I will say this too. I feel like the 2010s ended off better than the 2000, the 2000s did. Yeah. If you look at the year 08, 09 versus and, and 2018, you know, 19, we got everything from, the, like you said, the women, the Ari Lennoxes, the- That's wild. The, I don't care for a whole lot, but Summer Walkers, the the uh, the- the Chloe, Chloe and Hallie's, and you know all these artists yeah, who came the last two eight, years, and it's an eighties uh, rip too. Man. So I feel like, like that's one thing about it. So as far as the yeah, standout 90s, songs, yeah. the 2010s, this has yeah, the least when like, it comes to R and B. Like, like people don't want to agree with it, but to me, "Boot Up" was like the biggest song of the whole decade yeah. overall as an R and B song. And it, was, I mean, yep. it was huge, but it's like a lot of folks just feel like that. Like that's that's what y'all got for the whole decade. That's your best <laughs> song, and it's like, I mean, it, exactly. it feels like the eighties. Early nineties, yeah. Nineties yeah. chord progression. Yeah. yeah. It's it's um I think what it is or some of it is is that you can pinpoint certain elements Same. from each decade nope. that make it unique to that decade and it's right. something new that they've introduced. Mm. With the two thousand tens, it all just sounds like a throwback to another That's decade. Real. Even in the nineties, which was essentially a throwback to the seventies, you can still pinpoint this is something oh, new that we're sure. introducing. With the 2010s, I have a hard time hearing it, and my, maybe my ears are biased, but I just, <laughs> yeah, I have a hard time hearing it. Maybe somebody yeah. can tell me, like, what is <laughs> what is the new element that the 2010s yeah. introduced? So, so, I, so I would say this. I, I would say, um, as I just said, the stuff that we enjoyed didn't have anything modern. So I'll say it this way. 2010s definitely has a signature sound, mm-hmm. but it's that, as we said earlier, as Brian said, the 808 and heartbreaks, which led to So Far Gone. Mm-hmm. And I've said Drake, that whole Drake ambient sound where it's not really any melody, it's no real instrumentation, there's no, like, uh, you know. It's a vibe. It's vibe, it's a vibe. music. So to me, it's, it's, it's the vibe with the 808 and trap drums. So a lot of these songs, Man. like, and then I would say the most influential album and songs of the last six years was definitely like Bryson Tiller having like the trap yeah. soul and don't. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's where I'm not mad at him for making it. Like it was right. cool for what it was. I get why it had appeal because what they did was similar to what New Jack Swing did. It appealed to all these kids who grew up on trap. Right. right? So it's the trap tempo with this very very slow. Yeah. Ambient, the heavy 808s, these drums. So I can tell when I hear it. Like oh, that's definitely 2010. It's, it's just it don't hit me because I it's nothing moving. Well, it's nothing it's, moving. It's, it's not, it's, moving. It's not yeah. moving. And it's I think it's two things yeah. that stood out in in that is yes, when you look at the trap soul and its children, rather, like number one, there's yeah. just such a lack of up tempo stuff. 
Everybody does no up tempo. And I and I get it. I get it. But you know why? I think in this another personal uh, take. I just think that for a lot of the folks who are coming into music now, it's perceived to be easier to be able to sing slow. You know, like whether that and that's not just R and B. That's a pop thing too. Mm. Like if you can do the slow, quiet thing, the thing that we used to love Aaliyah for. And she was actually really mm-hmm. good at it. Yeah, and I think that yeah. a lot of that nuance is left. And I actually give a lot of credit to Janae Aiko. I think she does it really, really well. And I think a lot of people imitate that yeah. to the point where it's like, I can't differentiate. I, my my theory is it's the it's the we are the world test. If you put five to six to eight to ten mm. artists on one track, mm. will I immediately know their voice? Right. And it's very hard. <laughs> it is so that's hard. The issue. You can't, that's and, the and they don't care. But yeah, yeah. it's hard. Wow! You know, it's, wow! I'll even say it this way: even the, the singers who do have, who are um, a little bit different. Like to me, Joyce Rice is different. But I remember playing her video on Twitch one time, right? And folks were like, "Who is that? Is that Tanache or somebody else right. or somebody else?" Because they're like, even yeah. the way she sings on there still sounds similar enough to how mm-hmm. they all do. So. That is one thing about it that I, that I feel like similar they all look. have a similar, similar style, and, and that's one thing you just said about similar look. Not even yeah. similar. Yeah. Same look. We ain't even gotta say what it is. Yeah. We know, what, we it know is. what it is. We know. We know. We know what you're saying with that. The same that you see on every. It's <laughs> the like, same hey, look on every hey, Target that? commercial. Oh, that's somebody else. Basically, the same. Oh, crazy. Same yeah. look. Yeah. Yep. That's how it is with that. And like you said, mm. the the biggest issue to me is just that lack of uh, up tempo R and B. And one thing that's crazy, uh, I, had, I had a post last week uh, on Twitter just asking DJs like, what songs did you think <laughs> would have taken off in the club that never just never worked for you? And I'm reading the comments, and like seventy wow. percent of them were the ones that had an R and B feel or or R and B. And I realized that is this the club? Is this all hip hop now? And it's where. Yeah. That's why I was so hyped that that boot up was like the only true R and B song that broke through because everything Suit, else, yeah, even with Beyonce's trappy. hits, Formation and Seven Eleven, right. those are straight trap type stuff. And I feel like like everything like like that had an R and B feel. Yeah. Like Diddy had one with a Tadala sign called "You Should Be My Lover." Man, uh, even with like Chris Brown having like Fine China, I thought if, forgot about Fine back in 2013, 14. Yes. Yeah. If you had played me Loyal and Fine China, I would have picked wow. Fine China for sure. But Loyal yeah. blew up way yeah. bigger, and, and, and it shows. Loyal had more of the hip-hop influence, even the content of it. Fine China was basically saying, you know, I'm going to treat you this way. I love mm-hmm. you. And Loyal was, these hoes ain't loyal. And that's what everybody gravitated <laughs> right. to. So it, it shows that the, the crowds are just receptive in a different way in this era. So it's like, all that to say, I'll wrap it up by asking you all this. Do you think the 2020s can possibly be a better decade for R&B than 2010s? Or do you think it's going <laughs> to continuously... Like, do you think it's going to devolve? Do you think it's going to, like, what do y'all see happening? Because I feel like, personally, the last two, three years did give me more hope, even seeing the Anderson Packs, even seeing how Six Sonic got together, seeing how Chloe and Hallie, how they've got their stride. I feel like it's possible for R&B to have a stronger decade Man. at this point. I feel like maybe people <laughs> will get tired of just the kind of the slow, boring, monotonous type stuff. But yep. that's just my hope. I would say. That's I think we're we are right now in the middle of the make it or break it period. I think with each decade, mm. the first two to three years are kind of like indications of oh, wow. you know how we gonna move. Like, will it get better? Will it stay the same? Or you know, will it branch off into something that we don't recognize? We're starting yeah. off. I think we're starting off nice. kind of strong. Where I'm like, all right, yeah. I can see it happening, but it's make or break it right now. Like. What comes out from now until maybe the top of two, 2023, probably, 
will let me know like all right what are we gonna do with the rest of the decade like by 92 you kind of knew 90s was gonna be it by 82 yeah. you knew the 80s was gonna be it so we yeah. we in the time i mean but like you said Yikes. the 2000 started off real strong <laughs> and then by the time yeah, we yeah. got to like that last two or three years it kind of dipped off a little bit a little bit um so yeah, we had to make it or break yeah. it right now i, I don't I, know i, I would say we started off strong right yeah but i don't know we old stay strong right and you don't get like older and more receptive so naturally i'm like hey this talk's just gonna be trash <laughs> but i will say this while oh, I, wow. I do eb you're right oh, wow. we age out of things and i do agree but one thing i find myself doing is i don't care as much about mainstream stuff because I do know that there's some stuff that people might mm-hmm. never as a whole listen to or give, you know, give a lot of ear and energy to. And that's fine. Right. But I do yeah. think a lot of that stuff, that stuff is going to be there and that stuff's going to be cool. And you know, yep. the crazy part, I think when we look at shifts in music as a whole, one thing that we always have to be mindful of is a change in technology. And I think that as the technology changes, something in there will change as well. So I don't know what will happen between now and in the next, you know, five years, but I'm pretty sure sure that the experience and that's kind of my fear and why I lean more in that. No, I think that they're coming up with really creative ways to fool audiences into thinking like, yo, this is a good experience. This is music. Look at this. You can put headphones on and you can be right Mm -hmm. next to insert artists that sounds just like all 40 of them that you already listened to. Like, so, so that part of it, I think is, is, I think is like, even look at our, look at the the shows. There's a show right now that comes on Fox and it's literally based (laughs) off of an AR experience. Uh, Like the idea that is mine, like, if you were a kid, you would be like, hey, man, what are y'all watching in 2021 or 22? That is the show. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. But I think that when we talk about the music in itself, there is no shortage. And I always have to be very clear when we had these conversations. There <laughs> is no shortage of yeah. talent. There never has been. Oh, wow. And I don't think that there ever will be a shortage of talent. Now, us learning about it and us finding about it and us caring about it. Those are the mm-hmm. things. Those are the things that are different. And cultivating it, Never oh my God, been. give people more than one yeah. album nope. of three songs, and let them yeah. do, let them take chances, let mm-hmm. them fail, let them that grow, exposure. let it be around for and it, cultivating it too. stuff. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. That's why I see it. So, yeah, I'm hoping, yep. hoping things get better. I mean, we we've had some dope projects so far. Even seeing like the Jasmine Sullivan hotels, like the album has some some heat on yeah. it. Yeah, so, and even exactly. that, the best songs to me <laughs> sounded like it could have been on Voodoo. So it's like, as yeah. you said. A lot of best stuff still has that throwback. Of course, the biggest song of the year was uh, "Leave the Door Open," and that sounded like the '60s. So it's like yeah. right. everything that we do, love. So, As so we, maybe a lot of yeah, concept yeah. albums are coming out. So everything yeah. is based yeah. on the concept. Yeah. Like the Silk Sonic, of course, is gonna be the concept yeah. of right. Old Soul. Right. Jasmine yeah. was that same concept when Ari Lennox debuted. Like it was based on mm-hmm. a concept. So I think. Once we move away from everybody using the same formula and the same concept uh, album, it'll improve. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not like you, like Brian said, isn't never a shortage of talent. Right. There's never been one. There'll never be one. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of us finding it or that talent being pushed to the forefront and everybody else who look and sound the same, you know, taking a back seat to that. Yeah. That's all we can hope for. So, hey, Brian, we appreciate you a whole, yes. whole lot for coming through. Definitely. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah, man. 
I appreciate it. this is this is amazing, man. This is really dope. Uh, y'all y'all are y'all are great, and y'all are doing dope things. And I yeah, I it was good. What's good? The conversation. Can I ask y'all one question? Before <laughs> Let I me see. Let me and see. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This okay. might be a topic for another day. This might be a topic for another day. Um, yeah. Just you know, for y'all for the show. I had a question. I posted this on Twitter. Okay. okay. I probably should have worded it differently. But I know I, I got I got oh, beat up. Oh, it happens. Yeah, it I happens. Beat up by a lot of people. It's fine. I, I can take the time. But my question was: If you put them side by mm-hmm. side, just albums, just albums, not writers, not I did this for them and they yep. mama, just oh, their own one. albums. I saw this one. Wins, I saw this one. Who wins? Just one on one, Prince versus. I saw Jenny this Jackson. one. I curious. saw it. I saw it. Uh, I'm going to say. It's very, 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 very tough. I mean, how do I even explain it? I feel like, <laughs> I'll say this. Prince has higher highs as a whole, but much lower lows. I feel like Janet overall had more consistency. For me to be a huge Prince fan, I'm also a realistic one who feels like Prince is known for having these crazy, amazing songs, and then the next song will be like, uh, he was just in there playing around. Like He, he put everything out. Everything he tried... <laughs> He put out. So that means that right. sometimes his stuff would be a little bit uneven. Even on a great album like Sign of the Times, we have a couple where I'm just like, that's okay. With Janet, because I feel like the way Jimmy Jam and Terry are, the way that, that her albums were composed and written and produced, that run from, I would say, especially from like Rhythm Nation up to, I would say, um, probably the All For You album. Yeah. I don't think there's even two or three bad songs. Yeah. It might be something that I don't care for as much, but I feel like everything in there is at least quality. But at the same time, Prince had way more albums. Yeah, Prince so got more if I'm albums. Picking, and- if I'm picking just the top five albums between the two, I might still Ooh. say Prince, but I don't know. It's I'm- tough. Come back to yeah, it's tough. come back to me on it's that tough. one. I'm it's, not gonna answer that without Prince really analyzing me. it's, it's Prince. And yeah. it's because of the level of musicality he put into each album. Um yeah. and the variety. Like you got like some jazz albums from Prince. You got some heavy R and B. You got yeah, like sure. these rock tinged influences. You got the influence of gospel on some of his albums. I think Prince is probably um just for me, and it's the I mean, it's the live instrumentation too. Like that. Yeah, I for sure. Gravitate heavy towards that. Um, and he was able to craft these sounds for himself, just speaking for yeah. him. Janet, I, I think her sounds were crafted by other people, and that's when it gets Got tricky it. for me, just because it's like, yeah, I mean, it's your yeah. music, because you know, Janet's still yeah. the queen, but yeah, she didn't craft yeah, that. And and you know, down the level I of musicality. It. I was just curious, man. You know, yeah. I, I yeah. know how people feel, you <laughs> yeah. know how they feel. How they feel. Yeah. It's one of those tricky ones. Oh yeah, people gonna get sensitive either way. Yeah, 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 yeah. You say, yeah. You say yeah. Prince, you like yeah. me to get cussed out yeah. by people, man. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Prince too. Yeah, yeah for sure. Man, so. I was just wondering, man. I was right. I said, I That's said, true. I like Prince. Yeah, I you can't Prince. And and then everybody mad at him, you know. Yeah, like I like I like coming to America, up. Prince Akeem. You gotta flip That's it up with that because they right Akeem. That's the only way, oh, only way for it to yeah, work. Because Prince fans go, will hop on your throat for it. So <laughs> I know it. I know it. Yeah. So hey, I appreciate you yeah, a whole man, lot. Let man, everybody man, know where yeah. to follow you at, find you at, so they can join some of these crazy debates that we have. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm mostly I'm mostly on Twitter uh, at at, uh, at it's B Vickers. 
it's just usually me talking about, you know, a lot of music and stuff that's going on. And I'm on the sync side and, you know, I, I'm either talking about music and movies or films or whatever yeah. or sports. Um, that's a thing, too. Um, so I'm there. Uh, Instagram. I usually just post pictures of food or the kid on Instagram. So I'm, I'm born. <laughs> I tell people I'm born on Instagram. I don't care. You know, oh, uh, but it's that's, at, that's goals, though. You know, <laughs> it's at me. IG hashtag well. goals. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, man. It's boring on there. Like, oh, this dude loves cereal. All right. Good for you. Um, but but uh, yeah, it's the, it's those two. So <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Hey, that's what it is. Everybody out there. Make sure you follow him. And once again, thank you for uh Coming on with us, yes, sir. Thank we'll, you. Thank we'll be in touch very soon, of course. So yeah. I'll be seeing you in person this summer. Yeah, yeah. Of course, oh, for so. sure. Yeah, I love yeah. your sets, man. You're killing yeah. it, and you're doing great work, man. Good to see you, Eb. You know, uh, this, oh, this yeah. is really dope, man. Like I said, I'm, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> man, appreciate Thank you, yeah. man, all day. You have a good one. We, we're gonna right, keep it rolling. Sure. Everybody who's listening, next up, you already know it's time for that beat match. So for this one, we got something uh, a little bit different for you. So that's what it is. All right, so it's that time for anyone who is a uh, a uh, listener. You know that every episode ends off in the beat match. So today's beat match, we're gonna do it this way. We're gonna take two songs that came out, whether they're album cuts or singles that year, two songs from one of our favorite years in hip hop. And for most of us who are you know '80s babies, we always love to say that '98 was one of our favorite years ever. So with that, we had so many albums that dropped. We had. The volume two Jay-Z. We had the It's Dark and Hell is Hot. And he dropped um Flesh of My Flesh later that year. We had the Outcast. We had the Jermaine Dupree. Life in 1472. We had Juvenile. 400 Degrees. We had Big Pun, Capital Punishment. We had the Love Moment from Tribe. We had uh, we just mentioned that we had Brand Nobian dropping the album. We had for the West Coast, we had Corruption. We had Ice Cube, War and Peace, Volume One. A lot of projects. But with that, we had so many classic songs and I felt like, is it possible to pick like the number one song that came from that, that year 98? And with that, EB, if you had to pick a single that came from that period, which one would you pick as your number one pick? Uh, number one pick gotta be uh, DMX's uh, Rough Riders Anthem. Mm. Okay, okay. Would you pick that over Get At Me though? Before I, I give you my pick, I'm just curious real quick. Um. Yes, I would. Okay, I'll okay. Take it over. Yeah, got you. Okay, okay. Well, with that, I have to say it, it, it's it's close, but I'm gonna say Outkast, Rosa Parks. I think that's just the greatest overall single that dropped in that year. Of course, for the club, we know it's back that ass up, which was released as a single in '99. Right. But as far as just the overall song, I love "Find a Way" from Tribe. Yeah, my West Coast side loves that. We can freak it, of course, from Corrupt, but. I'm going to roll with Rosa Parks on this one. So uh, for everybody who is tuned in with the beat match, we get three minutes to discuss our sides and then we get two rebuttals and then our judges are our producers, Melissa and the lady. So with that, EB, as my co-host, go ahead and let everyone know why you think Rough Riders Anthem is that greatest single for that year that or song that came out that year, I should say, in the hip hop lane. Yeah, I think, um, first of all, I think it was a pivotal moment in hip hop, like, that is when we were introduced to Swiss Beats. Um, that was his first major production. Um, and a lot of people might may know, may not know, but Swiss was in Atlanta by that time. Of course, he's from New York. But um, his production style on the song, he was just mixing the influences of New York and Atlanta. And when DMX heard it, initially, he's like, 
I don't know what that is. That's some shit I can't get with. It's like it sounds like some rock and roll shit. Like it, it don't even make sense, you know, with the dun 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 dun. dun. But um, Swiss had to uh, convince him to go go for it. And the reason why he's yelling what after every verse is because that's how they had to hype him up in the studio. And yeah, it's hype him up in the studio so he can record the song um, because it, they wanted the song to be full energy. And since he wasn't feeling it at first, you know, it, it, DMX energy was kind of low on it. I think that song, you know, the title is Rough Riders Anthem, but I think that it is truly an anthem. Like, there is no one I know, you know, from age two to 92 who will not stop, drop, shut them down. Like they, it's one of those things that it almost feels like a, like a Baptist hymnal. Like you got to sing along to it. Um, and also it's just an amazing like display of talent by DMX, you know, outside of the what's after every verse. Um, he just got real gangster with it, like real gutter. And I appreciate him for that. Like, by that time, hip hop was changing and we were getting a lot of the uh, shiny suit hip hop and a lot of the commercialized um, hip hop. And he kept it raw, He, even though the track wasn't what he would have wanted to rap over. and He thought it was too rock and roll. He just kept it really raw. Um, and then the video, you know, you got the video with Eve and Swizz and the locks. And um, I think Onyx was in it as well. Um, just it kind of personifies dmx like i know dmx has a lot of songs but i think that song is like uh quintessential dmx um with you know being a rough rider being um you know dmx being like gutter being street you know you know the the bikes and the dogs like it was dmx i think it's one of those songs that just can't be beat from that year um and like i said i think it's better than get at me dog i think it's Probably the best single from that album. Um, so I got to roll. I got to roll with the Rough Riders anthem because it is truly okay. an anthem, not just for the Rough Riders, but for everybody. I feel it. I feel it. I feel like I remember the first time I heard it because uh, back then my parents wouldn't let, let me listen to cussing. So <laughs> we would make that drive to Walmart. The closest Walmart was about 30 minutes away in Cerritos. And I remember mm. buying that album. Intro called me and that song came on. And I'm like, all right, DMX has got some heat already. So. I definitely love that. That's probably one of my top three, top five for the year. But I'm gonna roll with Rosa Parks. Uh, one thing you mentioned about about um, Rough Riders Anthem is, uh, is was about it being like a chant or kind of like a you know a spiritual type thing. Mm -hmm. I feel like Rosa Parks is an amalgamation of everything black at once. It's 1998. It's like how do I even set the tone with that? I feel like musically, it's blues. It's some gospel in there. It's a little bit of some jazz, but it's it's hip hop, of course. It's R and B. His soul is everything at one time. Everything about it, from the way it builds up, and then you hear them singing. Uh huh. Yeah. It's like you hear that that chant just coming in. Just, just it builds up, and then the beat drops. Doom, 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 doom. Then the hook is right there in your face, and the way it's set up is just so perfect. It's where Aquemini, just the title of what that album means, is basically saying we're different, but we're together. So it's Aquarius, Gemini. We know that they're two totally different signs, and before this album. It's where I could tell them apart on songs, but it wasn't as big of a distinction to me, especially when it came to, to them visually. When you see this 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 single, you realize they're different as hell. You like Andre is he's out there with no shirt but with some football pads on. And and you see Big Boy is really really that player pimp. And it's like, and when it comes to their verses, it's the same thing. And it shows how different they are, but how they're dope in their own way. 
And in the same tradition as um, elevators, it felt like Big Boy's verse had nothing to do with Andre's verse, which Dandre had nothing to do with the chorus. But it didn't matter because it was like they both sp- <laughs> they both spoke their parts so eloquently and, and, and they, they both held it down so perfectly in the same way. Big Boy, it's like as much as I hate saying that Andre's better than Big Boy, most of us realize that Andre is the superior lyricist, but I always like Big Boy's flow better. So it let him shine. He came out there. His flow on there is, is so fire. It's the way he, he boy, you sounding silly. Think my bro him sitting pretty. It's just, that whole thing is just to stop. Damn, we the committee. Like his flow is just killing. But then you bring Andre and Andre speaking just like he did on elevators, actually setting the tone and telling you a story about I met a gypsy and she hit me to some life game to stimulate and activate the left and right brain. The way that these verses just came after each other, the way it built up into his verse. And for the third verse, they didn't split verses. They didn't say you get the verse or I get the verse or we get a feature. They brought a harmonica on there. How much blacker, how much countryer, southern can you get? And how much riskier can you get for a single that's on TV, on radio, to have a whole verse as a harmonica? This ain't Stevie Wonder doing that girl. It's not the early 80s. This is a 1998 hip-hop song getting played next to Back That Ass Up, getting played next to all these songs, Money Ain't a Thing. You have a harmonica for a whole verse, and it set it off. You play that song in the club today, you're not skipping that verse. I might skip to that verse. I might just play that one harmonica verse because I remember being at FAMU. We would play that when it was five, six years old, and we jumping around, clapping our hands to it like we had somebody's uh, get down drinking moonshine. So I feel like... All right, so All right. back um, to EB. No, I totally get that, and I just got to say, yeah, you're right. The, like, the verses had nothing to do with each other, and <laughs> um, the chorus had even less to do with the verses, <laughs> but that is basically what Outkast is, like... That's basically that's their style. Um, it was a it was a great song, especially um, being in the South at that time. But it's so disrespectful to the legend, to the OG Rosa Parks. Like how oh, you <laughs> how you make a song about um, four or five different things. I still don't know. Um, and a banger. It's a banger. It is. But you disrespect the legend, the OG. Rosa Parks, so much so that I, I'm pretty sure she sued them. Um, yeah, she sued them um, right. because they used her name. Um, it's a great song, but it doesn't have, to me, the energy that the Rough Riders anthem has. Like, the Rough Riders anthem is one of those songs where you feel you can take over the world. Like, you geek like on whatever I'm, I'm not saying it's got to be drugs i don't know I'm, I'm not in nobody's business i don't know what y'all do i don't do that hey. but it, it's just full of energy and it makes you feel i can tell you what it made me feel like um because at the time i was in south carolina it made me feel like i was in new york like i was in philly like i was in a city and once the video came out and everybody's on the bikes and those bikes still kind of define the things that we associate DMX with. I think that song was a huge song for the East Coast just because, like I said before, you, we were moving towards the the um, commercial rap and the shiny suits, but he kept it real. Yeah. And he talked about, um, you know, the the what we were dealing with at the time or what he was dealing with, um, him and his crew. That's not something that we were getting because we were like making a transition to uh, a com- more commercially appealing music, I'll say it that way. Um, and again, like that puts Swiss Beats on the map. If we did not get that, 
we might not have gotten like check up on it or you know we might not have okay i mean i mean i feel it and i mean swiss overall had some bangers we know that and he was very young when he made that and i totally get it i just feel like as a whole song rosa parks is so much more developed as far as the lawsuit so i have to address that real quick rosa didn't even know what was going on she was probably somewhere in the back she, if she heard the beat she probably be like i like this this remind me of what i was listening to growing up she ain't she ain't know what was going on that was her family who just said they use your name like we gotta get some money off this she ain't tripping off none of that that was that was not her pick her, her her issue but even with that the fact that they they call it that that's almost like some new era stuff to call a song something and not even mention that in the song that was just creative with that as i said everybody moves to the back of the bus and even that just showed how black culture had evolved. It was where we used to fight to be in the front of the bus, but it's like they, they flipping it. They saying we moving to the back of the bus and all of us who rode in high school, middle school in the 90s, 2000s, we rode in the back of the bus. So we related to that directly. So that's the way we felt about it. And I feel like just as an overall song, it's like the way it's developed, just the production behind it. I feel like it's so, it's so layered, it's so complex. I think that, as I was saying, the way that they bring, bring back and forth, the uh-huh, yeah, yeah, baby, like that. That chant just comes on and they ended off with the get down, get down. Just the way it's produced is just so many different parts of that song. It reminds me of how 70s and 80s soul and R&B was. Like most hip hop songs, even with, with Rough Riders Anthem, it's like it's high energy, it's dope, but it's the same thing the whole song. The drums drop out for a quick second and they come back in. But it's like, it's where we, you see Rosa Parks, it's a very developed song as a whole. And I think just the, just the verse that Andre spits on there was just kind of a, some of a cautionary tale where it's just like he always knows that he's always saying no matter where they were at in their career that it's easy to fall off overnight so we gotta keep keep on pushing and i think one thing about it is that rough riders and dmx that kind of defined what the east coast had for the next couple of years but rosa parks and and uh Equimini set the tone for the south takeover which happened about five years later i feel like w without them having that that song to kind of push that and back no, to you you're you're right um it I think a lot of times I think about Outkast, like they were not the first, but they definitely put the South on the map, especially Atlanta, and helped establish it as a, a mecca of music. Um, much in the same way that uh, DMX and the Rough Riders did um, dominate radio and dominate um, the sound of radio for the next couple of years. I think um, the other dope thing about Rough Riders Anthem is like the remix that we got that DJ Clue released. Yeah. Um My dog, Jada yeah. and Styles P yeah, and Dragon and Eve. Like it was yeah. it was just one of those things where the song was so dope that we had to make a dope ass remix to go along with it because we gotta prolong the life of the song. And I will say when the song first debuted, it did not debut um uh extremely high on the charts. Um I think it only got to like like number 16 or something on the charts i'm not even sure but um yeah it now has become especially since his death the his number one charting song like it's the highest charting dmx song um and that's because of the energy of the song i feel it i feel it all right so i mean much respect to dmx rest in peace to him and that's one of my favorite songs and that album is classic but i Definitely gotta keep it, keep it, uh, you know, rolling for Outcast and that Rosa Parks. I think that it was just one of those, those landmarks in time where it, it sounded so different that it never was able to sound like outdated. I think it still sounds just as good today because in that moment it felt like something that was already a throwback thing, but it had a, a modern polish to it and just the flow on there. 
I still think it's almost impossible for anybody to to, to imitate that flow that they had on there. Like, like DMX flow was definitely fire because he had that energy and that delivery. But the way Big Boy and Andre flow on that track, like, it's still hard to really catch that flow and just to rap along to it. You have to slow it down just to rap it and let people hear hear what's being said. And it's one of those things where it's dope at every level. If you just hear the flow by itself without hearing the lyrics, it's fire. If you just read the lyrics without even hearing what they said, it's like, oh wow, that's that's profound right there. So. I just gotta roll with that. I think it, it set the tone for what they dropped in the future. And overall, it was what showed their eventual division that we ended up loving because they both had heat on their own and together. So with that, it's time for our judges, Melissa and the lady, to go ahead and tell us which one do you roll with of the two? I know it's tough. I know there's gonna be some biases possibly, but we will see. So uh, Melissa, if you would like to go first. Well, first, we can't skip our segment of Nalady concert experiences. I mean, I was going to save it because I, I saw her out there. It's a, it's a video clip of DMX doing Woodstock with like 18 million people. <laughs> and the 18 millionth and first person is her. She out there with her little book bag on. She, she was out, out, there. out there from school. She was, was probably the one that told Rosa Parks it was a song named after her. <laughs> that's that's like, what she would do. Like she got the spelling. She was just filming like yeah. she, had a, she was on a panel with her or something. Said, yeah. You know what? You know, she was. She was. Yeah. She was like, uh-uh. I'm gonna hit her, like, hey girl, you mm-hmm. know what's going on over here? There's some money out yeah. here. You better get, get to it. Yep. Hey. I had already talked about DMX before, so Yes, she had. You have any outcast? I mean, I've seen um Big Boy separately. You know, they started touring when he started he kept touring basically while Andre stopped. So mm-hmm. I've seen Big Boy in LA, but um I don't, and then I saw Andre 3000 at Soul Nick Ron. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> just walking through the crowd. So that's it. That's all I got. He's just there okay. hanging out. Playing the saxophone with a new shirt on. Just oh, like a little, little bandana right. on his head. Right. That's how <laughs> he does around it. around his neck. Right. The smell of air. Nipples out. <laughs> <laughs> he was her first victim. It's permanent smell, huh? Yeah. Oh. But uh, this was this was tough. I remember exactly where I was when I heard both these songs for the very first time. Um, I remember I was living in uh, we were living in Pennsylvania at the time, and I heard uh, the Rough Riders anthem while I was sitting at my gateway computer, and it was playing on the radio. And then I saw um, the Rosa Parks video that's where the first time I heard it was on TV. So, um, you guys both made very compelling arguments. Um, and, uh, I think I'm going to have to go with EB on this one. All right. Okay. That's one. Okay. (laughs) That's cute. All right. The lady, the lady, Uh, remember you're a black woman. Rosa Parks is a black woman. Don't let her down. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. I'm not. My my vote is definitely going to EB. Uh, I I definitely think they were strong arguments. And yeah, they both. I I mean, Uh Outkast just went to new heights. Like they really did. They took off. But if I had to isolate those songs, I'm like, nothing was beating Rough Riders' anthem. Like it just. I mean, there was a lot happening that year. Yeah. But it was. you can play that at any given time and it just has a reaction. Even if it's not like, oh, everybody's on the dance floor or something like that. There's like a reaction everybody's that you have. Jealous. That what? too. It's like, it's just a, a, 
Yeah, I think it's a, a crowd anthem, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with that. All right, I guess EB wins every once in a while, you know. Damn, no, nah, I, I needed got, that win because I the last couple times I just <laughs> it, it ain't been right. happening. So thank you, Rosa Parks. <laughs> thank you to the ancestors. Thank you to hey. Erica Badu for distracting Drake. And come on, what uh. was Big Boy rapping about in the song? Like, what 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 was he saying? He hey, he was flowing it. I mean, snitches want to try, <laughs> snitches want to lie. I mean, look, long as it sounds good, you know. And as far as with the family. So here's the quote from what her family said about the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. I know dementia or not, my auntie would never ever go to this length to hurt some young artists trying to make it in the world. As a family, our fear is that during her last days, Auntie Rosa will be surrounded by strangers trying to make money off of her name. AKA she didn't even know what was going on. They didn't she have to put that dementia nothing. part in there. That, that's, yeah. They didn't have to let the world know Rosa was <laughs> suffering like that. <laughs> but they did. So basically that was just them saying, you know what? You about the past, so we, we try to make all the money off your name from here on yeah, out. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I, I know yeah that's what it was. It, but... Yeah, yeah, I get it. So, all right, EB, uh, guess I'll cash up you for some champagne or something. It's going to be that, that $3 champagne that you can get from the bodega. But, hey, you know. I just need a little pack to put in my water. I don't even need no champagne. I just need a little something hey. to throw in here so I don't have that same reaction. Just, just to take the edge off. Hey, I got you. I got you with it. Well, everybody who's been listening... Let us know which song you would select uh, and let us know your thoughts on this episode. Hit us up at hashtag Behind the Wheels Pod. Also, if you have any suggestions for future topics for fast forward, rewind, drop, beat match, whatever it is, send us an email at Behind the Wheels Pod at gmail.com. And please make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It'll help other listeners find our show. And EB, uh, let everybody know where they can find you at. Uh, I've been like, laying low on social media but you can still follow me everywhere i'm gonna come back um once it slows down at work uh eb for prez eb the number four and prez is spelled p-r-e-z um and that's on you know every social media network just think eric b for president you know hey eb for prez he said everywhere he said you can find him on all of them as soon as a new social platform pops up i go and reserve the name even if i never use it you got to that's the only way yeah Same for me. I'm DJ R-T-I-S-T-I-C. DJ Artistic with no A, but shout out to the homie DJ Artistic with the A in Diego. That's the homie. But anyway, appreciate y'all for being tuned in as always. And um, yeah, we will see you all next episode. We out. Behind the Wheels is produced by Melissa D. Montz and the Lady Set. And the music is provided by Epidemic Sound.